Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the volume Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while I'm recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure to follow me at, at Draymond Green to get notified when I go live. What's up, everybody? Got my Lobos, my water. Appreciate everybody being here today. Um, I am excited to get back going. It's like, did a few after we lost, and then it just kind of gets boring and I stopped. So here I am back, the Draymond Green Show, um, live here at the first annual film film festival, uninterrupted film festival. Um, is Maverick here? Of course, Maverick didn't come see me speak. No, but I, I really want to thank Uninterrupted um, for the opportunity. I've actually been a part of Uninterrupted really since the inception of the company, and it's been a great journey. And to be here is just like a full circle moment. Um, I got into this podcasting thing like a couple years ago, and it's been fun. And I actually, when I first got into it, I didn't really understand what it was doing. I, I was just like, I'm long-winded, and on the podcast, I can just speak, and no one can stop me, and my answers don't have to be short. And so I, I, can, I just continued on with it. And, you know, then we were waiting, um, signed to deal with The Volume, who's been great partners. And we were kind of waiting on the traditional, I'm an athlete, um, let's find a host, and, you know, it's the traditional thing that we've all seen. And my thing was, it has to be the right host or I won't start. 
And so we went for a while and we started to get further into the season. And I was just like, man, let's just start it and I'll host it myself and we'll just see where it goes. And as we wait for a host, um, we'll just go. And it ended up being a blessing in disguise because I felt like it, it turned into something that we hadn't seen. Um, you know, we hadn't seen many athletes taking their own show, running with it, being the host, holding the interview, speaking about the game, um, and all of those different things. And it's, it's uninterrupted. That's, that's essentially what it is. And so um, just to continue to take the influence um, from Maverick and LeBron and, and the blueprint that those guys have laid out. And, and I always have this thing of like not trying to be so different and make things your own that you twist it and fuck it up. And so I try to follow the blueprint that those guys lay out and, but be myself in following that blueprint. And here we are, uh, the Draymond Green show live at the first annual uh, uninterrupted film festival. So, <clears throat> I have the honor of having a guest today, um, a guy who I've wanted to talk to for a while, um, has a chip on his shoulder larger than, than the planet Earth. And I love that. And, and we're going to get off in, into that chip and how it's judged and how it's viewed. Um, but I'm honored to have this next guest, a two-time NBA All-Star, um, one-time All-NBA, uh, NBA All-Rookie First Team, uh, none other than the great Trey Young. What's up? What's up? Can we please get a better welcome than that? Jesus Christ. What's up, y'all? What's up? Thank you. Welcome to the Draymond Green Show, my brother. What's um, up, man? Like I said, you, you, you're someone who I've wanted to have on the show for a while, and I'm happy that it happened this way where we can do it live, we can do it in person, because I feel like you're raw, and everything that you've done and you're the way you've come up, the way you speak, it's organic and it's natural. And I wanted to have this moment uh, where it's just natural. And, and I'm, I'm extremely excited about this. So thank you for joining me. I appreciate you having me, bro. I'm excited about it. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, let's get right into it, though. Uh, growing up in Oklahoma, number one, talk to me about the, the basketball culture in Oklahoma. Because for, for me... Um, growing up in Michigan, we all see Oklahoma, and what's the first thing we think? We all think Oklahoma Sooner football. Talk to me about the basketball culture and growing up in Oklahoma. Well, uh, first off, I appreciate you having me again. But for me, growing up, like I was, I grew up in Oklahoma, but like a lot of people don't understand. Like I'm a Texas kid. Like I was born in Texas. Like my dad played in, in uh, at Texas Tech, and I was born there, and I kind of grew up. I have a lot of family in Texas. So I think a lot of what is built inside of me is built from like my family roots in Texas. And uh, even though I grew up in Oklahoma, I'm still a Texas boy at heart. So I just think like, for me, I kind of stood out that way as far as like my competitiveness and what I like, how I thought every day and how I like attacked everything. It was just a different approach. I even played football like second grade to about eighth grade until I had to really give it up and make a choice. But 
I, I'm really a Texas boy. I mean, I'm, I grew up in Oklahoma, so I'm going to claim that, and I'm, I'm always going to ride for my state. But I got a lot of Texas blood in me, too, so I feel like that's where I got a lot of that toughness from, too. And you definitely got a lot of that. Um, be careful, man. You, you may not be able to go back to Oklahoma and talk about <laughs> you a Texas nah, boy. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah. Nah, nah, because I grew up – no, nah, I mean, because – Trust me, everywhere I go, I rep Oklahoma. It's on my signature shoes. It's on, I mean, it's on my pages. It's on everything. I rep Oklahoma, but I think a lot of people forget, like, I think that's a part of the reason why I stand out separately. And I'm trying to add that type of DNA to everybody in Oklahoma. You know what I'm saying? But, like, that's that's kind of, like, how I was kind of up. I mean, my upbringing brought me to. Now, that's incredible. Uh, talk to me about you're growing up, you're coming up in the era where Blake Griffin goes to Oklahoma. Uh, Russell Westbrook's playing in Oklahoma. Kevin Durant's playing in Oklahoma. James Harden for a short stint playing in Oklahoma. Talk to me about the impact that that had on you and having those guys uh, in that state playing basketball at the level they were playing at while you were coming up. I mean, it was big for me. Like, I'll never forget being a – I was a ball boy at the University of Oklahoma when I was in, like, fourth, fifth grade uh, when Blake was at school. So I was a ball boy – uh, I wasn't that that specific game whenever Blake played Steph in college and everybody knows about Davidson coming to Oklahoma. And uh, I wasn't a ball boy that game, but that year I was ball boying too. So I, I had a lot of a lot of ties to that, that university even when I was back a, a kid. But Blake was a big role model for me. And then obviously when the Thunder came, it was like the biggest thing in Oklahoma for us. We don't have an NFL team. We don't have a hockey team. We don't have anything else. We do have a, an NBA team. So... Um, but even before that, when it was Oklahoma City Hornets and Chris Paul was there, like before the Thunder got there, I was a big fan and a big admirer of his. And like, so I've, I've, I've been a student of the game since back then. But when Russ and KD and they were rookies and second year players in the league in OKC, it was like my eyes was focused on them and how can I be at that level? You know what I'm saying? So like they've been big role models for me from a distance ever since then. And so Blake. I mean, like you said, KD and Russ, I, I try to take a little bit from, from every one of those guys. That's incredible. Uh, we, we, when, I, when I introduced you, I talked about um, the chip on your shoulder being larger than life, larger than earth. As someone who came through this league and had to have a chip, um, second round pick, undersized, too, too fat to play this position, too slow to play that position, too small to play this position. I had to have that chip. And so when I watch you, I feel like I can understand you a lot more than most can because although you're a point guard, you're, you're undersized when, when, when we start talking about the NBA. Talk to me about how important having that chip is and what it's done for you in your career coming this far. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I've been undersized my whole life. Like, seeing, like, I used to want to go play with my dad, and, like, he would go to the Y at, like, 6.30, 7.30 in the morning, go play, pick up with the older guys. I'd be 12, 13-year-olds and want to go play with those guys and just jump in and just play with the older guys. And so I've always played up. Like, even on my AU team, before I got to high school, I was playing up against older guys. So I was always a smaller guy. Um, so I'm kind of used to that type of thing, but... As I started playing my age and it was started to level out a little bit more, I was able to show my skills and be better. But um, I've always kind of like used that undersized, that 
I mean, you're too small to your game to translate to the next level. It's kind of like a motivation, like you said, that chip on my shoulder. But I don't, I don't think about it too much anymore. But because I, I know who I am, you know what I'm saying. But I, I definitely remember as a kid, um, being a smaller guy, being on the the sidelines, waiting for my dad's team to lose so I could try to get on his team on the next one. Like, I just remember always playing up and being that smaller guy. So it ain't never been nothing new to me. So that's interesting because I, I what. You just said, um, I try not, like, I know who I am. I try not to really have that anymore. And I think that's a very interesting thing because, and I'll talk to you from my experience, and I'm asking if yours is the same. So you come into this league, an underdog, chip on your shoulder. I came in a little differently than you. I was the 35th pick. You was the fifth pick. Um, So, but. Like I said, some of those similarities and the same things they were saying about me in a much different way about you. You use that chip every day to get you going, every day to push you past this guy. I want to destroy this guy in front of me. You use that chip on your shoulder. And while you're climbing up, everybody love it. Everybody's like, oh, man, you see you see him? He uh, he has passion. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he don't take yeah. no shit from nobody. This and that thing. And everybody applauded. And then when you, and what it seems like to me, once you get to a space of you've had success as far as accolades, all-star, or NBA, but most importantly, as we all know, people in the world, when they talk success, they just success by money. And so then you get the max contract. And all of a sudden, they don't really accept that chip anymore. Because they're now looking at you like, wait, you, you're not an underdog. You're making $200 million. Like, what you mean you're an underdog? And so now that very thing that helped you succeed, they're now trying to use against you. Have that, has that been your experience? And if it has, um, how have you tried to adjust to that? Um, that's definitely, I mean, that's definitely been my experience from, from looking at it. Um, like what it what it what it is, but like it's like that weird saying like with Spider Man, like with great power comes great responsibilities. Like I think me getting that mass contract came with a lot of responsibilities, and like for me, that's how I look at it. Like no matter what other what other, someone else says about me or what they expect for me to do for for myself or for my team, like nobody has higher expectations than me. You know what I'm saying of myself and for for my team. So whether I get the All Stars or All NBAs or whatever, or I mean. Like, I did get the max. Like, my mindset never changed. Like, I want more, you know what I'm saying? And I know once I get that, what what came with it, you know what I'm saying? The the, the more scrutiny, the more the, the expectations rise, you know what I'm saying, when you get that type of stuff. So I understand that, and I accept it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if you're in my position, you have to either accept it or or just turn it down, you know what I'm saying? Because when you get it, it, it all comes with it. So I've had to learn to really just accept it and then try to move each day, I mean, the right way. So I just I just had to accept it for real. With being the face of the franchise as you are, I mean, you've been a face of the franchise since you walked into the NBA, which is a tough thing. Um, most people have a chance to grow to that. You know, um, you've been that from the beginning. Talk to me about some of the difficulties of that, because I think people just look at it and they think, um, you know, it's it's just basketball. Like how you perform, 
at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, on Thursday night, Friday night. People has this have this idea in their mind of, oh, that's what a face of a franchise is. Talk to me about the difficulties of being the face of a franchise that most people don't even have a clue comes with, with that. I mean, for me, being like the face of the franchise, it's like, it was a lot tougher for me coming into um, the league. Obviously, being 19, when you're young, you're that face of the franchise, you don't necessarily know everything. And if you don't have a vet around you that's really putting that into your ear on how you need to move, how you need to talk to your teammates, communicate with your teammates, spend time with them, because that stuff goes a long way. And I feel like for me, um, I was able to learn, thankfully, through a situation where we, I mean, we were rebuilding, and so we weren't really expected to win. So it was a, a place for me I can go and I can really learn through the through the thick of things and playing through games and stuff like that. So I just, uh, I think people don't understand when you're 19, you're coming in, you're leading, trying to lead grown men. you 30-year-olds, 28-year-olds who have family, kids. You playing video games in your dorm room all year, <laughs> your freshman year of college, and you just, all of a sudden, now you got to go spend time in dinners and nice dinners and all these things with, with, these, with these dudes. It's like, it's an adjustment period. And so for me, like, Thankfully, I was able to go through that adjustment period early on rather than now. And now I'm still relatively young and I'm able to learn a lot more. And I've had vets that came around like Rondo, like Lou Will, like Jeremy Lin. When I was a rookie, he had been through Linsanity and everything about him and everything. So I was able to pick their brains and ask them questions. And um, so I'm just I'm just thankful that I was, able, I was able to learn through some struggles early on to be where I'm at now. And so um, it's supposed to only be better from here on out. Speaking of rebuilding, I think you guys did something that, A, most people didn't give you a chance um, or didn't expect. You all went to the conference finals, like, really ahead of time in that process of rebuilding. Do you think that changed the expectation and narrative on you? Because all of a sudden you're rebuilding and you're leading this rebuild and then you go to the conference finals, and now there's an expectation the next year. And the reality is you're really still in that same window that you were in. You just had some success. Do you think that that, that changed things for you? For sure. I think that definitely like, changed the outlook of our team and what, where we were supposed to go and where we were headed because we were. like We were on a track of just continuing to get better. We, I mean, like we, we weren't the most talented team in the left in the playoffs, but we, we had some, some talented guys, you know what I'm saying? But we had guys that clicked at the right moment and it, it happened. But going into the next season, obviously the expectations are higher because you, you went to the conference finals. We went further than what we were expected to be. And so um, if we don't get better as a team, like everybody's going to be coming for us. Everybody's going to catch us. And so uh, I think that's what happened that next year, being knocked out in the first round. But uh, like I just – it definitely changes things. When you go that far, I mean, you know, when you, you win championships, you're expected to win championships the next year where you ain't supposed to be knocked out in the first round. So it's like you uh, you have to learn through it and you go through it. Um, and that's definitely something that I've I've learned through the process of whenever you get that far, you're expected to go that, 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 that same route or even further the next year. So I don't, I'm not mad at it because that's, that's my expectations. I expected to go further that next year and I fell down when we didn't. So... I'm never mad at a fan of our team that, that feels that we should be better than what we were the year before because that's that's my expectations too. It's incredible. I have a question for you all. Do you think, 
I, I spoke about this earlier, um, I don't know, many, many weeks or months ago, about European players being judged differently than American players. Do anyone here agree, disagree? Nobody? Agree that Americans are judged harder, right? Okay, I agree too. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I said all of that to say, Luca is incredible. Um, one of the guys I absolutely hate guarding, like yourself. Um, great player. You've been all NBA. He's all NBA. You've been all stars. He's an all star. Neither has won MVP. Both has led their team to the conference finals. Yet they have a playing game, which his team didn't make the playing game. Your name's being thrown around in trade talks. Um, the day of the game, thrown around in trade talks. Have not heard anyone ever say Lucas should be traded. Anybody else ever heard that? I've never heard it. Um, but you've done some of the same things. How does that make you feel, or do you even think about that? when? Because you two are always compared because of the draft day trade, and so everybody's always comparing you two guys. Where is he in his career? Where is he? And the reality is when you take a step back, you're very close in points. You probably, I think you probably lead in assists. Yeah, I'm, I'm for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> for sure. But the narrative out there isn't the same. Talk to me about that uh, and, and just living that. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, to be honest with you, I don't even, I don't even stress over it no more. Like, I just, I know the real ones get it for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like for me, once I win a championship, it'll even open up more, more eyes to what I've really done and what I've. I mean, especially to some of my peers that I'm compared with and compared to. So, to be honest with you, I have no hate towards nobody, especially Luca. Me and him talk. We talk all the time. Like, we we got a lot of love for each other, a lot of respect for each other. But I mean, I do agree with you. It's it's different agendas and different and the way people look at certain people is is different. But to be honest, I don't, I don't get caught up into it. I feel like eventually people are going to understand what it is and like realize that it's not it's not that far off obviously he's a he's a really good player hell of a player but it's like we kind of do the same things he's six eight i'm six six two six three like we just we're different in size but i mean he he can play like i can play you know what i'm saying we can we can both hoop so at the same time that's just what it is i respect that and speaking of which i want to roll this clip um from earlier this year i went on taylor rook's show um, and I said something about you. And I, I, I really appreciated the way you responded to it because people, people get in their feelings about a lot of shit. Um, when, I mean, I used to get in my feelings about Charles Barkley, so I understand it. <laughs> I really get it. Me too, me but, too. But people really get in their feelings when you say something like sitting on this media side. And so I always can appreciate uh, the way guys respond to it. And, and I love the way you responded, but I said something and it's right along the same lines of what you just said. So can we roll that clip? I personally think Trey has in his mind, he's taken on this villain role. Like, 
and he's bought into it and he has dove head first in. He's good enough to take it on and still play well and still be Trey Young and still be an all-star and be fine. But I personally think it's the wrong approach. <laughs> so what brings me to this is, um, you know, speaking about the agendas. Because, and, and I, by the way, when I'm wrong, I've been wrong before in situations, as we all know. Oh. <laughs> I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I'm wrong. I don't need you to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I'm the first to know. Trust me. That's why I don't appeal technical files anymore. <laughs> I'll be the first to tell you when I'm wrong. And I actually s- said this wrong here. Um, I said you're you're diving into this villain role. And the reality is, I feel like where that all was birth really was the series versus the Knicks where everybody in New York Knicks fans are fucking delusional (laughs) (laughs) and and miserable and I love New York so don't ban me from y'all city (laughs) but they're hard they're they're a hard fan base you go in the garden you hitting the shots, you bowing. Every timely shot you need to make, you make, you're making every play. And what I actually think now, and continuing to watch and continuing to pay attention to it, is you are very much so a showman. But yet that's been flipped. And again, talking agendas into being this villain. And I, I'll be the first to say it. Being being a villain is it sucks. Like, it's no fun. When you but but when it's up against you, you either fold or you stand up to it. You you go into it. And so I've stepped right into it. And people have now made you out to be this villain when in fact the way you shoot the ball, the way you play the game, they don't vilify guys that do that but they've done that to you. Talk to me about that, um, how you feel about that. Like, do you, do you? There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for, or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Embrace it at times. Uh, well, like first of all, like you said, like, this shit ain't really fun being a villain. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, like, in that video, I, I commented letting you know, like, I didn't, I don't dive into that. Like, I just, I kind of feed off the crowd. Like, if you were listening to the game in the 10 minutes left in the first quarter of game one, the whole arena was yelling, F Trey Young. Like, two minutes into the fuck game. Fuck Boston. They said, fuck me <laughs> yeah. too. That's what I'm I saying. So it's like, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm just hooping. I'm playing. I ain't said nothing to the crowd. I ain't bowed. I ain't. Say as quiet as effing here. I ain't said none of that yet. Like I just really played off of, played off of how they they they, I mean they guarded me and and how the fans reacted. Like I just I come out playing, trying to win, trying to put on a show. And I mean if the fans want to get into it, like in the with the Boston thing, like they started yelling it in Game Five late in the game. So it's like I didn't say nothing to any Boston fans. I think they was all cool with me the whole time. And then Game Five when they were up three one. That's what happened, and then we hit the game winner, and that's why I'm looking at him. But it's like, I just, I really just feed off of the crowd. Like, I, I really don't like being that way, but like, it's been like way since high school when I was averaging 40 my senior year in high school, going to different Light flex, very subtle <laughs> flex. <laughs> just, but that's that, that's kind of what it was. Like, I was going to other arenas, and they was chanting overrated if I wasn't scoring, and I was people loved it, and then I was scoring and finishing the game off, and so that's just how I kind of was looked at and then videos of highlights when I come back in the NBA that's how fans just gravitate towards that and then it's just it's just what it is but I'm I'm not like that that type of person like I'd rather just go out there put on a show have fun smile and get the win so but if it happens that way like you said I ain't about to turn down from from anything so who is Trey Young I mean really just a family person like I'm a when it comes to basketball like I'm just I'm just so competitive. Like, I've just been competitive my whole life. Um, if you win, like, I'm going to make sure we run it back. <laughs> make sure we can play again. Give me a chance to run it back. But I'm just super competitive. And I just, in everything I do, and I just, I try to bring my people with me, make sure my friends and my my family is with me throughout the whole journey. And, um, but that's that's pretty much it. New father. Um, yeah. Which I can relate to. Yeah. Soon to be married. Next week. It's amazing. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Which I can also relate to. Um, I've almost been married a year now. <clears throat> Talk to me um, about having your first kid and what that has done for you as a man and as a basketball player. Because I know when I, my son is actually here somewhere. There he is. What's up, DJ? <laughs> There you go. Um, I know for me, in having kids, it gave me perspective. Especially you come home from a bad game, everybody, you turn on your phone, everybody say you suck, you're this, you turn on the TV, you're the worst, you're that. And like you walk in the house, kids like, what's up, daddy? Yeah. 
you been up to, Daddy? Like, all love. I'm like, wait, I guess I don't suck as bad as everybody mm -hmm. said. Like, I must be pretty cool. <laughs> but talk to me about the um, just what having your first child has done for you. Uh, no, like for me, like I said at the beginning, when I don't worry about like my height and my <laughs> my height when I'm playing anymore, like I just I don't focus on too much of the negative attention and negative things that are said about me or the false rumors that come out about me. Like I'm I'm focused on my team and my family and really my family first, especially with my son now being born. Like ain't nothing like it, you know. It's just especially having a son. Like you just want to you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. So eventually, when he gets older and he's seeing everything that you're doing now, it it helps him become who he needs to be. So I'm just just trying to focus on every day living the right way and making sure I'm a great role model. So whenever he does see this this type of thing, whenever he gets older, he he knows that I was doing doing the right things and that he can follow it. So, speaking of sons, um, role model, those words can only help or make me think of the word legacy. Um, you're soon to be on your third signature shoe, and you recently just started a podcast, um, which I think is incredible. Talk to me about those couple things and how those things can add to your legacy and what you leave behind. No, nah, my signature, like you said, legacy is important to me, especially in my family. Like, me and my dad talk about that all the time. It's about building that legacy and having my third shoe is, is so surreal to me. Like, just knowing, like, my favorite players growing up, like, having their own shoes, going to the stores, making sure I got those. So I went to the court and felt just like those players. Like, I needed, I needed to have that type of feeling. So to have my third shoe coming out, here soon, this before the season starts, it's an unbelievable feeling. And then, obviously, starting my own podcast is, I mean, influenced by, I mean, guys like you, those guys, like, speaking their mind and had certain things come out about them that's not really true, but you don't really want to go to the media because they may take it a certain way. So now you have, now I have my own platform where I can, I can speak the truth. I can speak my mind. I can speak on what's real and what's not. And, I mean, there's been times on my podcast where I said I messed up in certain situations. So I just... I get on, I get on and I just, I speak the real. So it's just a platform for me that I can do that, but also break, break certain news and certain things. So um, it's definitely a good space now that I have a place and platform I can go and I can just chop it up and um, speak the real for real. I think it's incredible, man. When I first started this podcast, like I did not realize the voice that it gave me. And not that it's just like, oh, you start a podcast, you get, you get a voice, like, don't work like that, but people knowing where to find you speaking, um, have like speaking on the topics that you wanted to speak on, the things covering the things that you wanted to cover, like it's been absolutely amazing. So I wish you well. And if I can give you one word of advice, uh, it's one of the most important things that I've done. Uh, Colin Cowherd is here, um, who who I'm partners with, and Colin asked me. He was like, like you have a day job. Why do you work like this? Like, you're doing all of these episodes, no matter what happens, you're doing these. And the reality is, it was because one thing stuck with me. J.J. Reddick told me when I first started the podcast, because I had tried it before, and I was so inconsistent. Like, I would do a podcast, <laughs> and then five weeks later, do yeah. another one. It's awful. Like, I don't <laughs> know what I was doing. And he said, if you're going to do a podcast, one of the most important things you can do is deliver your content to your fan base, to your listeners, your subscribers, when you're supposed to deliver it. You may be off a day, you may be off two, but 
every week, you have to give your listeners and your subscribers what they're looking for. Because if not, they're going to leave your podcast. And when they leave, they don't come back. They're on to the next podcast, and that's their thing. They're not going to then leave that podcast and say, huh, let me go back and see what Trey's doing over here now. Once they leave, they don't come back. So it is very important. Like We have very busy schedules. So if it's for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, making sure that my listeners and my subscribers get what they've gotten on a weekly basis, if I can give you one word of advice, it's extremely important. And to work is hard. And so back to what Colin, Colin said, for me it was like, well, that's all I know. As hard as you work at basketball, you have to work at the podcast. So the days that you don't want to get up and go to the gym, there's going to be days you don't want to do the podcast. But if you're doing it, you have to commit to it because then that's how you make it great. That's how you build your fan base. That's how you build the audience. That's how your podcast gives you a voice that can't be taken away because I've built a fan base that wants to hear what I have to say. And I've built that by being consistent and delivering them content that they want. No, you've done it the right way. You've done it the right way. We trust me. We all following. So I appreciate that. No doubt. No doubt. And um, before we get out of here, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't speak on this. I've had two coaches um, in my career. Mark Jackson, who is absolutely incredible for us. And And I've had Steve Kerr, um, who is one of the most one of the most winningest. uh, Somebody help me pronounce the word. People, winningness, (laughs) winningest (laughs) people in NBA history, and and that's what I've had to learn from. Um, It hasn't quite been that same path for you yet. In being a franchise player, people blame you. Oh man, Lloyd Pierce, this. It's Trey Young's fault. Nate McMillan, this. It's Trey Young's fault. Now it's Quinn Snyder, um, who's, who I think is an incredible coach, incredible basketball. I'm uh, happy you'll have the opportunity to work with him. But just walk me through what that journey has been like and what you're looking forward to at Quinn. Because, by the way, we are who we say we are. And we are the narrative that we want to push. And so people try to push this coach killer narrative. Fuck out of here. Like, the people that push the coach killer narrative never had a coach. But they say you're a coach killer, which I don't quite understand. And yet coaches are getting fired all around the league every day. But then people try to come label you as that. We're not rolling with that. That's ridiculous. But just talk to me about what that journey's been like and what you're looking forward to with Quinn Snyder. Uh, that okay, this journey has been tough. Like, cause to be honest, I ain't had very many coaches growing up. Like, I've <laughs> every year, like it, I didn't really had too many different AAU coaches. So like being labeled a coach killer was crazy to me. Um, but I mean, Lloyd coming in, the, he was my first coach, and uh, having him, like, he was perfect for us. Like, we were a young team. And the thing is, is LP would tell you, he was brought in to develop guys. Like, he was a development guy from Philly, like, was getting everybody right. This was his first job. His first day on the job was basically my first day on the job, too. So we came in together. I got nothing but love for LP. 
Um, but a lot of people want to label it me versus him. Like, yeah, yeah, we had some, we butted heads a couple of times and in certain things, certain, certain situations, but we always had respect for each other. And so people don't always want to label that part and, and mention that part. But with Nate, like, we got to the conference finals and he, Nate McMillan was our assistant coach at the time, or he had taken over halfway through the year and he wasn't even guaranteed to go further on. He didn't know how longer he would, he wanted to coach, but we went to the Eastern conference finals and we were winning and it got him, his juices flowing. He wanted to keep coaching and keep coaching us. And we were all excited and, and doing that. And we wanted to keep rolling with him. And then obviously he, he gets let go. I don't know if it was right after that next year or the year after, but, uh, People wanted to use me again as a as a crutch for that, and um, for real, like we had a really good relationship to begin with. That's the only reason why he stayed and stuck around. So, um, people lab- labeled me as coach killer. Two of my coaches in the league, like to be honest with you, it, it's I don't I don't really feel about it anymore. Like, let me na- tell you something, brother. You made Nate McMillan like an extra ten or fifteen million dollars. <laughs> But they yeah. say you, you you killed him. No. That's a hell of a, a sword to die on. <laughs> <laughs> Extra 10, 15 million dollars. Yeah, you got some money. But no, nah, I definitely like I, I like, but I think Quinn, hopefully Quinn for me is my Steve Kerr. Like I hope I hope Quinn is the guy that we win three, four championships with. Like I just, I mean, that's my plan. Like I don't I don't see it further. I don't look, I'm not looking past Quinn. Like if something happens with Quinn tomorrow, like if it happens, like, people are going to say it's me, but it's not. Like, I just, I want Quinn to be the next Steve Kerr for me. So I just, I've, I've used and learned everything from all my coaches coming up, including LP and Nate. And so with whatever anybody has to say, like, I know where my heart is and my head is. I got a lot of love and respect, and I've learned so much from both of those two. So um, I ain't got nothing but love for them, and, and hopefully Quinn is my Steve Kerr going forward. So, no, 100%. And by the way, I've bumped heads with Steve Kerr a million times. Oh, we know. <laughs> people, people say, oh, you, you bump heads with this guy, so now he's fired. It's your fault. It's not true. Um, you're going to bump heads. It's a very intense job. You have the coach and his star player. They're going to go at each other at times. That's what the job requires. We've seen that over and over and over again. It's not going to go away. And y'all still, and you still fight through it. Like y'all, y'all butted heads throughout the year or something's happened. Like you've seen it's been, been public and then y'all find a way to get back together and go win a championship. Like sometimes you got to go, you can't, it's not easy. Like anybody who's been in this business, they know like winning a championship, getting past the first round is hard. Like, so winning a championship is at a whole nother level. So like, it's not easy. Like. So, I mean, obviously, like, I salute you, all the guys, Brian, all those guys that be winning championships all the time. Like, that's not, that's not hard. That's not, that's not easy. So, I mean, people, when people say you don't have to go through anything, stuff like that, I mean, confrontation with your coaches and players, like, sometimes it's good and it's what's needed to get better and push forward to be at the, be at the end. 100%. I tell you what, I look forward to you, Silas, and everybody, because there's no better way to silence all the noise and to win. And you've won in your career. No, you haven't won a championship. But to to get to the conference finals, that's so hard to do. And now you know what it feels like. Now you know how to work towards that, which showed this past year. You know, you get in a play-in game, tough situation. What do you do? You come out of it right away. Team who ends up going on... 
play in the NBA Finals. No, I'm going to come in your house and I'm going to beat you. By the way, on the day that they say I'm going to get traded, you know, and, and that takes a special person. Like I said, but this will, this will be it before we get out of here. Uh, just want to know, uh, one of my favorite guys in the NBA, I don't have a lot of friends in this league. Um, I, I don't. <laughs> Probably self-inflicted wounds, but hey, it is what it is. Um, I also don't like a lot of people, <clears throat> but I got a lot of love and respect for DeJounte Murray. And traded to you guys last summer, just signed an extension, um, well-deserved. You know, that's pairing y'all up in this backcourt. Now, talk to me about what DeJounte has brought to the team um, and, you know, how, how that's going to be moving forward for y'all. Man, he's brought a lot to us. Like, I mean, it's crazy. Fun fact, our birthday's on the same day. That's crazy. He's that's two nuts. years older than me, September 19th. So we already got a uh, connection that way. But uh, he's just like, he's just a real dude. Like, you just, what you see is what you get. Like, when you around him... Um, you you hear him talking. He talks about family. He talks about wanting to win, wanting to get better. I mean, him signing that deal for us now, I mean, just shows how much he wants to win. Like, it just shows how much he wants to, because he could have signed, he could have signed next year and got way more. I mean, still a lot of money, but that's, I mean, he that's the type of person he is. He wants to win. He wants to, he wants to make our team great. And I just know from us, like, we we talk all the time, and so like we we knew that it was gonna be an adjustment period last year with two PGs who are used to having the ball in our hands. So one of us gonna have to play off each other and play on the wing. Like we gotta learn that. So now we've been through a year. Now we're going to our second year together. We've we've kind of got some some chemistry together, and we've been working throughout the summer too and talking and texting. So we uh, I'm looking forward to what we we got going forward because he's I mean he's a hell of a person before he is player too. So. Uh, I'm, I'm glad he's on our team for sure. And when it's all said and done, we get to the end, end of your career. What will Trey Young be remembered as, and what do you, does Trey Young want to be remembered as? Because those could be two different things. Um, not on the top of my head though. Right now, like what will and what is going to happen is the same thing. There go that chip. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, I just I pray and I hope that. Uh, I'm just looked at as one of the best PGs to ever play this game. And I know if I'm one of the best PGs to ever play this game, I'm one of the best players and I've won championships and I've won certain things. Like it's, and it all comes with winning. Like I remember my AU coach telling me winning, winning takes care of everything. So I remember being unranked and being winning Peace Jam and becoming a top three point guard in my class. Like I just, I just know winning will take care of everything. And so hopefully at the end of my career, I'm looked at as one of the best PGs to ever play this game, one of the greatest players to ever play this game. And that means I've I've won some championships. I've helped some some lives along the way in my communities and things like that. And I'm looked at as a as a as one of the best players for sure. Y'all give it up for my clutch brother, Trey Young. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, just, oh yeah, I'm headed out. I'm going to wrap this up for y'all. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, like I said, I respect guys who who get it out the mud, who got a chip on their shoulder, who it's all not lined up for you to succeed. Um, and Trey, the, the, the challenges that Trey faced 
that they'll never change. Like being that size in the NBA, like you're you're already a step behind. Like you already have so many uphill battles to fight and to become the player that he's become, but not only become, continuing to grow into, I think is special. And I love when a guy is battle tested. I love when a guy have to go through some shit. And that's what he has to go, he's had to go through. Like we discussed um, people saying he's a coach killer and talking about trading him on the day he's going into a playing game and all these different things. And yet he just keep tre- trekking along, trekking along, getting better each year. It's hard to get better every year you come in the NBA. Scouting reports change. The, the way defenses are guarding you change. The way you're officiated change. Like, I think people don't realize officials are, like, they're, they're human beings. They have feelings. <laughs> Their feelings may change towards you. You may not get that call you once got. You know, and those are all of the things that he's been up against, and that's just to name a few. And to watch... Um, how he's continued to go and continue to carry a franchise. It's not hard. It's not easy to carry a franchise. And he's doing it, and he's doing it at the highest level. So I'm honored to have him as a guest. I'm honored to come up here and host the Draymond Green show in front of you all. I thank you all for coming out. Until next time, that's a wrap from the Draymond Green show. Uninterrupted. Thank you. Peace. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.